The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I am Reagan Kelly, and this week uh, I am joined by one, kind of one, of my fine co-hosts. Nate Heininger. And friend of the show, Jordan Starkweather. Jordan has joined us before. We had a great time talking to Jordan on the Game Boy episode we did a while back. Jordan is the host of the excellent Pocketoid podcast and proprietor of the also excellent CRT Pixels Twitter. Uh, so welcome back to the show, Jordan. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Reagan. You uh, you make everything that I do sound uh, way more important and official than I feel like it is. <laughs> Nothing's official on the internet, but yes. you start listing it out. <laughs> I'm doing it all as a bit, but I'm doing my best. <laughs> That's all any of Podcasting us are doing. for what, like, <laughs> years as a bit. Yes. Uh, same. Same, honestly. <laughs> uh, and speaking of bits, uh, this week we are doing, uh, we are talking about a game where I believe the entire game is a bit. Yes. Damn good segue. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You know, you do this for a while as a bit, and eventually you get good at segues. The bits start to stack. <laughs> I know. Uh, I should also mention before we dive into things, um, uh, Jordan, thank you for joining us, especially this week where it has been a uh, it's absolutely perfect timing. Sorry you couldn't be here, Shane and Laura. Uh, <laughs> Laura is moving and Shane fell off of his bicycle onto his face. And so oh, he God. is uh, he had to go to the, the hospital and he uh, had to get a bunch of stitches and some oral surgery. And the poor guy is really not oh. feeling podcasting. This po- week. Yeah, podcasting is an incredibly low effort uh, action. But the one thing you need is your face a mouth. so <laughs> yeah. uh shane a functional we, mouth <laughs> we wish you you broke his podcasting parts and uh, uh, yeah you know <laughs> i told him i told him to to fall on some other more breakable bones but you yeah. know pre- preserve the pod hole but he, yeah. oh. he fell right on his podcasting hole so yeah sorry buddy <laughs> um <laughs> So we were going to have a gap week this week. In fact, actually, we were going to be covering um, the second chapter of Deltarune, which uh, is still coming nice. up as soon as uh, Laura is back and has her internet back and all that. But but this was perfect timing. So um, I, I heard about this game in a few places, but uh, I think I was most intrigued by it after what I think what pushed me over the edge on playing Franken uh, was Jordan talked very briefly about it on Pocketoid. And I thought, wow, OK, I think I do need to check this thing out. So. Uh, Jordan, would you tell me where you heard about this thing and like what was your first impression of it? So I follow uh, a lot of just indie game developers and people that are just into weird, uh, really small games. And I followed uh, the creator Splendid Land uh, for quite a while. And she she's you know she's been an artist. She's done some other stuff. She's she done she's done a lot of like Pokemon sprites and Pokemon adjacent projects and things, uh, from what I can remember. And I actually bought uh, a project from her on Itchio a while back, which was something like it was a little fake instruction booklet for a fake 
Pokemon video game, not Pokemon, but you know what I mean, little collectathon mm-hmm. video game with a bunch of of her own created monsters in it, and it was a cute little uh, little thing. And I always kind of hoped like this person would make a video game, uh, like a full actual playable video game, because I like their art and stuff. And uh, lo and behold. Uh, on my Twitter feed, I saw something about this game, Franken, Franken, and was like, that looks interesting. And then I got like an itch.io notification about, oh, it's by this other person I've already, you know, interacted with before. So I, uh, I heard it was only an hour long and I booted it up and it, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. It's, it's, it's hard to like, it's hard to like, uh, when the game is f- completely free, it's hard to kind of be like, man, you know, I went through this whole journey of whether I should play this or not. It's, you know, I saw a free <laughs> one hour game and said, you know what, I've got an hour. And that's how I <laughs> played Franken. <laughs> it's at a very appealing um, price point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, the, the hour is much harder to to um, uh, to make happen than the like five bucks or whatever for in yes. most cases. But a free <laughs> one hour game, that is really nice to see. Yes. I was very excited when I saw that this was short because... Um, I mean, it, I've been seeing people kind of tweeting about it and uh, sometimes tweeting some screenshots and all of those seemed kind of funny. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know, it seemed like a lot of folks uh, suddenly were interested in this. I, I'm, I think that there was some streamer that is this game has gone like legitimately viral. Um, yeah, or at least viral enough uh, that I certainly saw it multiple times, you know, poking through on my Twitter feed. I, I don't really know, like, you know, the the like virology of this. I don't know the epidemiology of who <laughs> made this thing popular, but it, it it's does gone into like this has really hit for Splendid Land, which is cool. It, it's gotta be the Undertale weirdos. I just know it. They just, it, I, just I, Yeah. There's a lot it, of crossover with Undertale yeah. on this for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot less like hugging and feelings in this. Yeah. I think. It's uh, just a lot more very, kind very of. funny bits. <laughs> I don't know. There's a okay, fair enough. There's, <laughs> there's a fair and feelings towards there's the some end. there's we'll some very specific point. hugging and feeling. Um, <laughs> but besides the the tone, I mean, I think some of the um, the music, which I think is one of the best parts of the game, had a lot of Undertale vibes. Yeah, uh, yeah surprisingly like, good music. We should definitely talk about some of the some of the the music there. Um, how do we explain uh, the story slash setup of Franken. It is an RPG parody. We could put that at the yeah. at the top here. Uh, it's it. I think pretty clearly a parody of Dragon Quest. Yeah, uh, which I'm not a super big Dragon Quest guy. I've tried a number of Dragon Quest games. I've never finished them, so they're not like a huge touch point for me. Um, I am a although, like, I am a super big Dragon Quest guy. If you need a big Dragon Quest guy, you found one of the biggest for sure. <laughs> so great, nice. great. Well, I mean, that was my I clocked it as a Dragon Quest thing. Do you think yeah. I'm right here? Absolutely. I mean, definitely. But I mean, I think that it's also just like it, it feeds into a lot of just you know JRPG tropes in general, which kind of find yeah find their origin in Dragon Quest. But there's also a lot of stuff. Um, kind of directly referencing uh, Final Fantasy, in particular, like Final Fantasy IV uh, at certain Mm -hmm. plot points, and also the way that Final Fantasy IV just does its plot structure, which is uh, kind of bad and hilarious in hindsight. But, you know, when you're actually... (laughs) I don't want to give you spoilers, but when you're just laying out the things (laughs) that happen in Final Fantasy IV as like a series of events, you're like, yeah, that's weird. (laughs) But but, uh, there's a few things. I mean, honestly, you don't really need to worry about spoiling Final Final Fantasy four for me. Like, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I'll probably never finish it. (laughs) Or even if even if I ever do loop back and play uh, Final Fantasy four, I won't remember this conversation. The uh, (laughs) same. Uh, The airship is like a Final Fantasy thing, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'll just say that I'll just say that in that 
that Final Fantasy IV in particular has kind of an obsession with killing off characters and then making those deaths mean nothing in the end by bringing everyone back. And so there's just kind of <laughs> there's a lot of jokes in this game around that trope in particular, okay. uh, which I feel like a lot of early JRPGs did. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, the the setup. Uh, I mean, so we're going to be careful about spoilers here. The game is only like an hour long. I think you know if you really take your time, maybe an hour and a half or yeah. max two. Um, <laughs> I think I played it for about an hour and a half, and then I did a, another playthrough because I really really liked it. Um, and uh, so games like this where it is primarily just really funny and not like deep mechanically or anything um, are particularly fragile to spoilers, you know, because like nothing kills a joke like some asshole on a podcast telling you the joke badly in advance. But don't Um, worry, we're going to (laughs) try. I know. (laughs) So welcome to the podcast. Uh, We're going to do our best not to spoil all the jokes for you, although we are going to try to talk about some of our favorite bits or yeah or things that uh, just to give you enough of a flavor to get a sense of if this is the kind <laughs> of humor that you'll appreciate or if it's a thing for you um but like don't worry we're not going to absolutely talk through every minute of the one hour of this comedy game okay yeah um but i thought it might be a good idea to uh set things up by talking about the title crawl and sort of like the initial like the very beginning of the game to give you a little bit of a sense of like what type of intro we get here. Um, uh, uh, booting up Franken, you get a title crawl very much like, uh, you know, so, so lots of RPGs start this way, or I, I always think of star Wars, even though it's not exactly yeah. a star Wars, crawl. I, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's star. It's a star Wars crawl. That's what also, everyone's going to think. Yes. Of. That's also kind of a, Oh God, I'm going to be the JRPG weirdo on this episode. Aren't I please? So, th- so that's, that's, that's also a final fantasy thing. Cause the final fantasy mm. series is kind of famous for gimping so many things from star Wars. Um, and including like the opening text crawl, which is in the very first final fantasy that kind of sets up the story. Um, that's a, you know, obviously a star Wars thing, but it's like the, the very first star Wars reference in, nice. you know, final fantasy, which is, you know, kind of, one of the big games this game is gimping on. So I think it's a reference to both, maybe. Oh, for sure. I- yeah. <laughs> the province of Fen- Fentinisark. Fentinisark. <laughs> right out of the gates. Is- Nailed it. Fe- Nailed it. Is in turmoil. Monsters lay in wait throughout the land, waiting for innocent passersby to randomly encounter them. <laughs> What's more, the arrival of the dreaded Hell's Knight, foretold by the scrolls of the great wizard robe signals <laughs> the beginning of the lunar prophecy lots of this proper nouns in all caps yes. in which the entire world could be plunged into internal night it might just cause the latest crossword puzzles to become more difficult but i not take that risk neither <laughs> outcome is good because i think the current ones in the newspaper are challenging but ultimately fair and i really don't want to get frustrated by them Anyway, King Cleave has sent out various warriors to scout out the evil beasts, creatures, ghouls, and anything kind of like that in the hopes that this great <laughs> calamity can be averted or at the very least mitigated temporarily so that it can become somebody else's problem in the future. There, there are surprisingly many uh, JRPGs, which I think that's a good way to establish a franchise, but where that's the solution for the game's biggest problems. You know what? Let's just put this off for another 50 or 100 years <laughs> the great evil was sealed it has become unsealed we must yes. seal it again in the same way as before 
<laughs> Didn't it come out again? Didn't the seal not? Don't don't question the seal. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. But you got to keep the franchise alive. You can't yeah. kill off anyone. Yeah, exactly. Something that immediately jumped out at me about this game is that it it has, you know, if you're going to make an RPG short, um, RPG battle systems are built to be like relatively complex things that you know, you study and eventually master, right? And you have to get better at it with time or kind of understand the strategy of the battle system, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, go grind some slimes in order to level up to level two before you go fight the bats. Uh, mm-hmm. This game, I think very smartly, knowing this was going to be a one hour long thing, uh, has the simplest RPG battle, quote unquote, system here <laughs> I have ever seen. Um, and I think it's really smart for the kind of game they're wanting to make here. Uh, you know, you drop into a battle and you have one button action and it is like fight. And yep. uh, and you just hit that. And at the end of each battle, you go up by one level. And so the game does a good job of sort of gating you with creatures or monsters or various encounters so that like the game knows exactly what level you're going to be at at every turn. This isn't something where like it has like that true RPG leveling yeah. up. It's it's just treating the levels as like um, like, you know, a, 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 por- a part of how it unrolls its plot and kind of gets yeah. you a little bit. And I think it's really, really smartly done for a comedy game like this. I think it's smart, too. And it. um you know, there isn't, there's really only one path. Maybe there's some divergence you can do, but basically yeah, the combat requires you to go in a certain order um, because every fight is pretty much predefined. And mm-hmm. uh, that's fine. You know, I think it would be cumbersome if the combat was anything more than this. So I think that, like, I think that the, how do I say this? So I think, I mean, obviously this game is like a, a parody RPG, which I usually, I just want to clarify, hate parody RPGs. They drive me crazy because most of them I are know, just like, yeah. they're like done in bad faith kind of. And they're also just sort of like, the they're, the big joke is like the, wow, wouldn't it be funny if if we did this played out story of the princess is captured by the evil wizard? Ha ha, what a played out trope. We're going to do it anyway, right? And so it just mm-hmm. winds up feeling like, oh, I'm just playing a lazy RPG, but they're using the excuse that it's all a joke to not do anything creative. And the thing I love about this game is it feels like a lot of its humor is in good faith. And I feel like the battle system is part of that because the sort of the, um, what is it? The thing that we, that people always joke about with those games is like, well, you you know, you kind of just run through the whole game, hammering the a button. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And here we have an RPG where (laughs) you're literally your only option is to hammer the a button uh, and just kind of select attack over and over and over. It doesn't even give you other options. However, it like still uses, and this is kind of a you know kind of microcosm of how the whole game's whole humor and whole narrative works. It still uses that very limited framework to tell a story for an hour and still remains compelling somehow. Um, and so, like, it even levels you up perfectly to where like you're never even going to be challenged in the battles, which isn't even necessarily how a lot of RPGs are. But I'm thinking like. There's a lot, there are several, especially during like the, you know, the 32-bit and PS1 era, a lot of RPGs, it's just kind of like they've they've kind of mastered the level progression so much that you're not even grinding at that point. You're just like running down a straight line, essentially, to the end of the game. And this game sort of is that as well. It's just, it's as linear as that. It's just like you do this battle, and then by the time you do the next battle, you're already strong enough to mm-hmm. just hammer, hammer the A button and win anyway. Um, but somehow it's the stuff that's around all of that, right? That makes it super compelling. Uh, and also the art in the battles is very good. Like all the yes. enemy art 
And even just the little sword swinging animation is very satisfying. I have to say that the, the art here, like, it's clear this is somebody who's like really studied the art of these older games. A lot of yeah. the, the sprites have the like, they're all very unique. Like they, none of these feel like copy and pasted from, uh, you know, uh, Final Fantasy or something. Yeah, um, yeah. But like they do have certain character to them, like the main character, uh, which you get to name, by the way. I don't know if you want to share what your main character was named. Uh, mine, of course, was named Pasta. I always name my main character Pasta now. <laughs> somehow, somehow, I think I've heard you say this before. I don't remember where, but I know I've heard it's this before. from Chicory, right? It's, yeah, ever, ever since, since Chicory, where you you <laughs> yeah. put in your favorite food, and that becomes the name of your main character. Yeah. And so I I just name everything Pasta now. That's um, awesome. But uh, yeah, pa- the the hero Pasta, the the uh, yeah. the sprite is great. It has these like really strange yellow eyes with red pupils. It's yes. like not something you exp- and and like a tiny like red nose. I think it's mm-hmm. like a really weird face, and Very it looks strange. kind of like a little like googly eyed weirdo. And then <laughs> when it does the close ups, it's like I th- it like it has more of like um what is that art? It has that kind of like um you know uh, uh space battleship y- Yamato or like uh, galaxy express kind of like old school anime look to the, to the face. Or at least that's what it looked like to me, uh, which is like a funny dichotomy. Cause like the, the, the little chibi version, the like overworld Sprite looks like such a little ghoul. And then, I mean, it still has the color scheme on the nice portrait, but the nice, yes. but that's something that this game does really well is this like contracts between like super simple, uh, like, you know, uh, one by one square overworld sprites and like mm-hmm. much more interesting in-game art yes yeah. uh, in the game makes ladder. a few jokes about overworld sprites as well yes. including <laughs> one of my favorite jokes in the game involving the fact that two people are the same overworld sprite won't spoil the joke <laughs> but it is it's very funny um my hero is named uh romango which is a name i've used for years so brought brought that name back Romango is a fantastic name. Holy cow. <laughs> I'm boring as hell, and I just always name my protagonist Jordan. I'm so sorry. I wish I had a fun. A Get fun off joke. this pond. So sorry. Wow. <laughs> What's your favorite food? Jordan. <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> no, I'm pizza uh, and chicory, unfortunately. Oh, uh, wait. Know. Really? I was yeah, pizza, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Hell yeah. I'm one of us. <laughs> and then you know the, speaking of those in-game uh like sorry rather like the in uh in battle sprites like the you're fighting the hell knight or hell hell's knight hell's yes. um and hell's yes. knight uh by the way like the moment when i knew the kind of comedic tone that this was going for and also the first moment in this when i absolutely like lost my shit laughing was when the hell knight shows up and and they say to you you've just been fighting a bunch of sci- slimes and the hell knight says you having fun smushing those slimes to smidgens, you shit. <laughs> yeah. Reagan, I have that screenshot in front of me too, because I wanted that I, I agree, you know, you don't get a lot of uh, you know, video you games, shit. let alone art, you know, RPGs <laughs> like this, where the bad guy says, You shit. <laughs> or smushing. I don't know, man. Yeah. Like it's something about that whole whole line. But <laughs> Yeah, the, you know, Hell's Knight is just like a pretty average knight sprite, but then like in battle, it looks like metal as hell. But also yeah. it's like a two color sprite. It's like really interesting, like l- nice art doing a lot in the sort of um, limited palette space, like looks really 
really cool like a yeah like a like a 1980s digitized heavy metal cover or something looks awesome <laughs> nice yeah uh i also love that line by hell's night because it's like immediately making fun of that thing that video games always do where they're like here like we don't we're not giving you a choice other than to do this thing and then they point out look at you doing this thing don't you feel bad you piece of shit it's like that's like that's the joke is it's just every video game especially and i mean not a lot of rpgs do it i don't feel like you know but even then they'll be like you have one of two choices you can snuggle the child or kill the child make your moral decision now (laughs) and yeah it's weird (laughs) yeah hell's night has some of my favorite lines in the game i think definitely one of the funniest characters um i had another great screenshot um to try to give you a sense of the tone they said uh all I had to do in exchange for the great power I wield was to kill thousands of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, a great line. It's <laughs> a great line. I, I know we're I know we're now just just telling the jokes of the game, and so you know uh, we are assholes. But I I, I just no, I think we're, we're establishing the tone. All we, right? are, we are. We are. We are. There's a lot more. This is another game that's a joke. I'm uh, I'm scrolling through my my screenshots, and uh, you know, you go to the king, of course, because like every game like this, your first thing you need to do is go find the castle and talk to the king, and he'll tell you what to do, right? So you go in there, and and the king says, "Oh, pasta, will you sort out this mess? Won't you? I find you to be a meek and bland person who will do my bidding." (laughs) (laughs) And then you talk to his like I don't know jester slash assistant slash whatever, and he says. My lord wishes not to be troubled by problems. If anything <laughs> terrible happens, you must not inform him at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, I mean, that's just like uh, it's I mean, that's literally just like the first, you know, three Dragon Quest games are literally just exactly that. Just going and meeting the king. I also love the and I guess also the first Final Fantasy as well. Um, I love also the little I mean, am I getting too far ahead of myself talking about the little town that you go to after you meet? No, with the king? I think that's cool. <laughs> Because I love the peaceful town where everyone talks about how peaceful they are, but you also just get to meet a few characters that will, you know, appear later on as well. But I think my favorite part is when you uh, meet meet the elder of the village who's standing next to three blocks of water, four blocks of water in a square, and says, "This exquisite ornate fountain is the pride of our town." <laughs> that is like I'm going to go ahead and spoil that one because it's in the screenshots on the website. But that was so one of my favorite freaking, jokes. It's so freaking good. It's really, it's really good. incredible. Um, so I, uh, I I don't know how much more mileage we can get out of quoting the screenshots of this game, but like <laughs> I, I do want to impress on the listeners that like. We just last week we played and talked about I don't I mean, you know, back to back is a, a little bit of an awkward situation for these games. Mm. But last week we just played and talked about uh, Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion. Hell yeah. Another short, um, I don't know, RPG adjacent is more like it for Turnip Boy. But like, uh, you know, top down, uh, you, you very funny game, uh, <laughs> sort of joke delivery thing. But like this absolutely kicks the shit out of Turnip Boy in terms of how funny I thought it was. Uh, we we were talking on that episode, Nate, I think you said that about 30% of the jokes in Turnip Boy landed for you. And I was waiting to hear from you what you thought the percentage was on Franken. Because for me, <laughs> it was like easily, easily, well, way, way funnier than Turnip Boy for my Yeah, it's. Yeah, I, I don't like I generally don't like doing this like direct comparison of like humor, but I, it, it's very different styles of humor, right? Turnip Boy was all 
internet culture, pop culture references. Uh, you know, that wasn't exclusively it, but a lot of the games jokes, you know, got a lot of mileage off of like, <laughs> hey, you all know what we're doing here, right? Um, whereas this I'm a fruit that makes JoJo references. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm pasta doing copy pasta, you know, and and like sometimes it worked, but you know, the majority of the time it didn't work. Uh, and where I thought Turn Up Boy was the most funny was when just like the situations that it had you in were funny or like t- ripping up every document that you get your hands on is always funny. Uh, so like I, I enjoyed <laughs> yeah, the you know, pure we, like we, trollish, like, yeah, uh, agent of chaos kind of yeah, mode. For that. Turn Up Boy that, as Dirtbag of the Year was hilarious. Turn Up Boy as like an episode of family guy, you know? Yeah, sure. It's funny a lot of the times, but it's also like stupid or like, I don't get it, you know, a, yeah. a fair amount of times <laughs> as well. Cause it's a reference that like misses me, you know? Um, whereas this is all, you know, it's all more, um, more situational humor. I mean, there yes. is some stuff referential to like, video games you know we already talked about like it it references overworld sprites and things like that um but it's more it's funny to have a a big you know hell's night come out and call someone a shit you know like that's (laughs) that's funny in a very different way than a uh piece of pasta reading pasta infused copy pasta you know so it's a little harder for me to give the percentage because like the Turnip Boy has like direct jokes. Like this is a thing that is a joke. There's like a setup and a joke. Uh, Franken, I think outside of maybe the end is more like, isn't this all just ridiculous and kind of silly and funny and making fun of itself? So I don't know if I can give a percentage, but I will say that I thought this game was more consistently funny than Turnip Boy. And like the writing was more consistent and had a clearer sense of like, what types, what it found funny and just pretty much always executed on it. So uh, yeah, normally I would not like from a programming perspective, normally I would not put these two games back to back in our process, you know, but like, of course, yeah. Shane then fell off of a bicycle. So we, uh, <laughs> here we are. Um, but like, so, so I feel like it just sort of ends up, ends up like yeah. begging the comparison or it certainly like made me make the comparison yeah. since I played. these. It was hard not to back to back. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard not to. Uh, but I, I agree. I did think this game was funnier, um, but I I would also I think there's probably a world where some, you know, we even talked about it on the show. For some people, I bet Turnip Boy was like the funniest game that's ever been made. And that's cool. Yeah. You know, everyone has their own um, opinion on humor. But like for me, Franken was more the type of humor that I, I um, you know, am attracted to. It does that. It, it, it does yeah. that thing that like. uh frog detective does too where it establishes its own like vernacular or just like manner of speech that just kind of i don't know what it is about that but it's so funny i'm sure one day i'll get old but when it comes to like fictional worlds and stuff i just always love i guess i guess you could compare it to like earthbound in that way or the mother series in that way it's like once you when you take this fantasy world and then you establish this just kind of level of oddness that everyone has uh and that each character has it like it makes it very endearing at the same time um, to where like you yeah feel it sets invest, itself up in this world too not just like you're punching down on it or making fun of it but like you feel like it's an actual place 
that's just kind of strange. <laughs> yeah, the vernacular thing though, it like definitely has some, something there. It's like it it has more of like a, a voice of a singular writer to me mm. than most games. Or is you know, if, comparing to Turnip Boy, sure that too. But like this is obviously the work of a single person who has a very specific individual comedic voice to their yeah. writing, and like yeah. it it feels like a bunch of jokes this person made with their friends while playing Dragon Quest. Um, you know bundled together and and made into a really <laughs> funny hour of mm-hmm. of rpg experience uh, yeah i mean I, given the opportunity i would move to leopard zone <laughs> the leopard zone <laughs> that i mean those are some cool cool leopards you know i mean what cool other cat. game can you say has a leopard zone in it? <laughs> i can't think of any others and right? I think that makes this the greatest video game i i loved leopard zone i was like i give me more leopard zone i could take a full-on leopard zone spinoff oh yeah <laughs> It's I love like I just I mean like it's obviously like a riff on that idea of how like different RPG towns will just have like oh, yeah, there's always like have... the beast men's town exactly yeah. or like or like yeah. a specific affliction affecting one town it's like but just yeah. the idea that everyone's just oh we know we're just leopards and I think they're all we're dudes. leopards here Did they say that too I can't remember it, it it's like four I I I believe it's like four leopard dudes and it's the <laughs> leopard zone and. uh <laughs> But they're nice, though. You know, they're having a yeah, good time, good. and everyone's yeah. welcome in the leopard zone. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I don't, I don't want to return to just like read the read the screenshots. I was just paging through and remembering oh, we will. when you first meet when we will when you first meet Condor. Uh, Condor is your first party member, yes. And uh, Condor, uh, you know, you meet them out on the overworld, and and they say, "Heh, you're pasta, right? The name's Condor. My class is." cool daggers <laughs> let's start by venturing into this nasty ass cave local gossip tells me there's a magic shield in there that should come in handy i just love that nasty ass cave <laughs> god this this game is just like incredible i think connor is kind of like the the point where the game really landed for me like i was like oh this isn't just like a bit like there is there is more going on here because like but they do it in such a i don't want to explain what happens i don't want to spoil what happens with condor um but it's really funny and it fits into like certain tropes and rpgs so well um but it's also like it shows how you can use writing to make to make the player care about a character in a way that they weren't expecting to like even and mm-hmm. i think that's one of the things that's really that is one of the more um how should I say this? Uh, I think it's one of the more like positive things that this game has to say about the genre itself, which is that like, I mean, I think, I, I don't think, the, I think the whole game is positive overall about the RPG genre. It's obviously a love letter oh, yeah. to RPGs, but this moment in particular, I think is just like points out how uh, we as like players will latch on to, <laughs> to characters or to, <laughs> or to moments, even when there is like, not that much there to latch on to. And I think that's one of the things that's really cool. That's like a really cool observation about RPGs is that like they are genuinely compelling. Like there are reasons that they are genuinely compelling. And sometimes even if you're playing like the oldest of old RPGs, like, you know, the first Dragon Quest uh, or even the first Final Fantasy, which like doesn't even give you a story until before the final boss. And they just do this giant lore dump with a bunch of dudes standing in a circle. And it's like you still find moments and characters and things in those games that somehow uh, like 
just connect with you just enough through just a little bit of writing or a little, you know, or just a small moment within the limitations of what that game could do to still like be impactful. And it's like, even here in a game where it's like just a big joke, like it still brings up all these characters that by the end you're like, Oh yeah, that guy or Oh yeah, this person. These are my friends. Yeah. These are my bros. I just met 10 minutes ago. (laughs) I'm here with my friends. They had this one had four lines of dialogue, but one of them was that <laughs> and they I would die me, for him, <laughs> and now I would die for him. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. We're, that is exactly it. That is and that's a really good point. Like the, the that's that's what really good writing in a video game can do is like just immediately take this like twenty five pixel sprite and like six lines of dialogue and turn it in your head into a character that like. Is, yeah, know, as 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 fully realized as any novel or oh, wow. <laughs> well, they're like, we're going to save the world there. together. And you're like, yeah, yes. Welcome. Welcome yeah. to my grand party. We're saving the world together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that character in particular reminds me a lot of your first party member in like the more recent Dragon Quest 10, who is also still my favorite party member. And just he basically his whole characterization is just uh I want cool to be daggers. your best. I, I want to be your best friend and cool daggers. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's a great combo. I think we could yeah. all use a cool dagger best friend. <laughs> every friend, every friend group has the fighter, the truck guy, the cool daggers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I need to get a cool dagger guy in my group. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> and if there's no cool daggers in your friend group, it's you. Yeah, if you, you look around and you can't identify the cool daggers guy, then you're the cool daggers guy. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I have noticed that I carry around a lot of daggers. Uh, so, so the, we, Nate, we, I think you wanted to talk about the music here. or to, Like, first of all, I liked the music, but I couldn't. I got the I got the vibe that some of it was like ripped from anime, I think, and other yes. places. And I didn't know where almost yes. any of it was from. It seemed like references that were eluding me. So maybe you guys can enlighten me. Well, Jordan, yeah, if you have a better idea of where it came from, I'm I'm not um, sure. She made a whole playlist actually on YouTube of the yeah. soundtrack. Um, oh dang, but, that's gonna help when I, I edit. I was <laughs> yeah, telling me. I was I was trying I was trying to figure it out. Like my, I think she posted it in, like on Twitter at one point, um, but it might be in like a reply to somebody else. But anyway, uh, yeah, a lot of it comes from uh, 70s and 80s anime in particular, which makes sense because a lot of uh, games from that area literally just from that era literally just like ripped shit from anime and manga in the 70s and 80s <laughs> like Mega Man is just a full a wholesale ripoff of you know uh Jinzo Ni or uh, whatever Cass Hearn the Tatsunoko anime uh it's like there's so many things references that once you start looking into like 70s and 80s anime you're just like oh this is literally just this other game that I've played at one point it's the exact same plot <laughs> but so I feel like some of that is like a kind of a reference to that it's like there's you know and but it also just fits this weird and wacky game really well like there were a couple tracks from like Zeta Gundam or something or I'm thinking in particular the uh the uh, final boss track, which turns into a vocal track. I was just like, holy shit, this rules. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, right. That it was awesome. It was incredible. And I think, I think one of the things that that also shows, I don't know if this was the intention behind it or not, is like, um, you know, JRPGs, they kind of all build off of each other. And even though they're really similar, it's like, there's a lot of things within the genre that's like, oh, this is kind of like this thing, or, oh, this is a cool twist on what usually happens in this genre, but they're taking it in this direction. Um, and it's like, I feel like that's kind of a reflection on how the genre is just constantly stealing and remixing and reappropriating different 
pieces and parts uh, from things and itself into this like holy mm-hmm. original work. And uh, I don't know if that's intentional or not. That's how I choose to take it. And but either way, the soundtrack, uh, it's a bop for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's a very scholarly read from it. I'd be interested to hear if that was actually uh, their their you know thought process, or if they're like, because yeah. there's another world where they're like, I don't have the money or the time to make an awesome <laughs> soundtrack for this. I'm just gonna rip it off from all of my favorite old games. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just th- like Space might... Yamato a lot, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> those are, but I think those don't have to be mutually exclusive. You know, you can yeah. be. Uh, doing one thing and having the same impact as as your read, um, and yeah, I mean, I the credits you know display pretty clearly that it came from a ton of different sources, um, mm-hmm. but while playing it, I did not know that, and uh, it was I think the the choices were fantastic, and yeah. it really sticks out to me. All of the all of the fights have a very distinct song, um, and they range from like. Uh, like jazz ensemble fights to um, you know big band numbers and then yeah that totally bonkers final fight that uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> you get a full-on co- you know choir uh addition into it that is just you know <laughs> great like we do music episodes from time to time and i feel pretty compelled to include something from this game in there because the choices were so good uh, it also like, it adds it also it, like completely you know? yeah i would say it adds like this whole level of like production value that is just yeah all, not there it was just stolen but it still works <laughs> well that's what stood, stood out to me before i knew that it was all just you know coming from other places i was like damn Dang, they, like, they really put some effort into these music well, tracks. Yeah, it made me shit. think of undertale i i mentioned this earlier yeah. but it made me think of undertale where undertale has a, a relatively similar um you know quality of of artwork but like Toby Fox is a phenomenal composer and the music is, is wonderful and it lifts the whole experience. And I thought of Mm. that with this as well, but she is, you know, even easier than, you know, being a musical genius yourself, you just go and get it from everyone else and add it to your game. (laughs) You know, why not? It's great. Same end result. (laughs) That is partly probably why this is a free thing is that like, you know, they can't clear the, the, uh, the, the song choices. Um, I'm still kind of glad they went this, this route. I I can't wait to see what splendid land makes next. This is now like, you know, like, yeah, like this is like the greatest, like, here's my calling card, play my free game on itch. (laughs) And now, you know, my like writing and aesthetic and, you know, yeah, uh, ability to put together a game that is really good start to finish. Like, yeah, I really hope they parlay this into a, a, a well priced, um, you know, great game and they get both uh, you know, good recognition for it, but they also get paid really well for it because yeah, this yeah. obviously, uh, you know, we appreciate it being free and, you know, shout out to that. But like, I will buy your next game. Uh, <laughs> I would have bought this, you know, yeah, honestly, <laughs> this I would have paid 20 bucks for this. No questions yeah. asked. Or I mean, you know, now I certainly would. I, I think it's um, and, you know, I, I it, it, we we didn't mention at the top. I don't think this is this is only on itch.io, so it's not on mm-hmm. Steam. It's not on consoles. I wouldn't expect it to come to those platforms. Probably in large part because of the, uh, the yeah. music rights clearance issue, um, which is fine. Like this is a, this is a cool work by a single developer. It's this weird little idiosyncratic thing. Um, this doesn't have to be a commercial product. But like God, I hope they like find a way to parlay this into great yeah. wealth. I wonder <laughs> if it yeah. right, with its with its success, if it really is the music that would be blocking any sort of expansion, um, with its success, I I bet it would be 
pretty easy to partner with a, a com- some sort of composer, make some act, some good original music for the game and re-release it on uh, anything because it, you could yeah. play it on like yeah. iPhone. I would, know. I would rather see them just go on and make another, make a new thing. game. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But I like, would as yes. well, but you know, yeah, I know. This I know she's been working on a game called uh, Amazing Treasure Valley for a couple of years now. Um, and yeah, she has a Patreon, and I yeah. looked up that because I was like, you know, I wonder what what the what her Patreon's all about. And it is, does seem to mostly be about her in development game, Am- yeah. Amazing Treasure Valley, which looks neat. I can't wait for that. It does. Whatever, whatever. It's an that's RPG. Coming. Yeah, looks like yeah. another little uh, weird RPG. So I'm after this. I'm freaking down for sure. A hundred percent. We're we're um, not doing. Um, spoilers but jordan offline i have to understand someday if you can explain to me how the ending of this game is a uh, <laughs> a interesting think piece on how uh how you know jrpgs end because uh it was uh maybe the dumbest thing i've ever seen in a video game and i absolutely loved it and i and i, I need your like scholarly uh read on how it's a reference to something that i just don't understand but uh i, I think i'll, I'll, I'll leave that I'll in you, but listeners, you know for I... the scholarly uh take <laughs> on that come join us on our discord where we will talk spoilers <laughs> hey, about the bizarre <laughs> ending of this game which is uh... is a jaw-dropping funny weird ending <laughs> that i just love it's, yeah i loved it so stupid and again i say that with, <laughs> i say that with love <laughs> you know, I because it's it's for you know I'm here for it and I loved it, but yeah. it is all time dumb. <laughs> here's here's what I'll say for now. It's like, does it take more talent to write something uh, good by accident or to write something bad on purpose? On purpose. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's a that's a beautiful question. I don't know. Really like well put. I'm going to be thinking about that all night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Is there anything left for us to say about Franken uh, before maybe we – it looks like we have some time on the clock. We can do a what's making us happy this week. Uh, but before we do, any last final thoughts on Franken? It's good and it's free. What are you doing? Go play it. Yeah, yeah. what are you doing? You, and probably you could have already finished it. We've been recording for 40 minutes. You can probably yeah. get through this game in the amount of time that we've already just been wasting talking about it. <laughs> you know, um, we, we've covered you know hundreds of games at this point on this show and like – uh, sort of the the thesis statement of the show has, uh, you know, expanded and contracted and, you know, molded to fit kind of whatever we want to be playing at the moment. Uh, but it's games like this that I think are, are really like why we started this show, like a super strange indie developer creating a, a truly unique thing that maybe wouldn't work if it was even four hours long, but for an hour it's exactly right and it's awesome mm-hmm. and so you should go play it and uh yeah, absolutely. i'm sure. glad that we could you know i guess we're just part of the viral mob but uh you know <laughs> we're we're uh, i'm glad that we could cover this game uh i'll put this here uh this is available on itch.io again we've already mentioned it's free it's splendidland.itch.io slash franken there'll be a link in the show notes um and uh there are versions for download for windows mac and linux um uh, I because we have to ring a bell every time I, I say the word Steam Deck. I played this on the Steam Deck, and the Linux version does not work. Um, mm. So if you're uh, uh, if you're playing on there, you probably want to grab the Windows version and run it via the that. Um, yeah. Oh, and if you do it, I played it on Mac, and uh, it if you have an issue starting it, 
in the readme file is a quick set of instructions uh, with something that you have to do in terminal to get it mm-hmm. to run. But don't be intimidated. The instructions are exactly right. And it took like 30 seconds to do. So uh, even if you have never opened up terminal on your Mac, like the readme will walk you through it. And I and it's super straightforward. Yeah, this is a common issue with Mac releases on itch.io because like, uh, if you're not aware, you know, um, Apple has some pretty weird requirements as these things go regarding like indie developers releasing any kind of executable on Mac. They're, you know, they're all like well-intentioned security stuff um, intending to keep you from like downloading something weird from the internet, running it and it like mm. encrypts your hard drive or whatever. But um, every Mac application of any kind has to be like signed with a certificate issued by Apple these days. And that actually changed uh, like the process for that has changed a couple of times over the years. And it's, it's not a huge deal, but it is complicated enough that a lot of small developers either can't do it because you need a Mac to do it, or they can't do it efficiently, or um, they don't have an Apple developer account, which costs a little bit of money. Like there's a lot of little, uh, you know, uh, little things to jump over there. So um, I don't resent a developer uh, having that kind of issue at all. Just, you know, just take a look. And again, it wasn't even really it wasn't even really an issue. It was just like, if it won't open on your Mac, do the steps in the README. And I did, Done. and it opened mm-hmm. on my Mac. It was no problem at all. Nice. So this is a segment we like to call, What's Making You Happy This Week? Jordan, what's making you happy this week? <laughs> what is that? What is that voice? <laughs> Why are I don't you know. I just that? thought I wanted, I wanted a nice you know, transition there. No, Shane's the one who ruins the transition between Yeah, no, he just, he just messes it up. I make it. I make it perfect and just oh, okay. really smooth. Jordan, what's making you happy this week? <laughs> uh, it's a it's a video game. What's making me happy is a video game called Citizen Sleeper that just released. Ooh, it's on our list. I really want to play that. Tell me what you yeah. think. Oh, it's so good. It's a really really good game. I I was I, I probably wouldn't have played it if my friend Spencer hadn't forced me to play it, and I didn't even realize that he was like working for the publisher, which is why he made me play it. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought he was just like, hey, guerrilla marketing. Here's, yes. And it worked. Uh, I, I wouldn't, I really wouldn't have thought it was for me because it looks, you know, very visual novelish. And I usually just can't get into visual novels as much, but it's more of like mm-hmm. a kind of a combination between a visual novel and like an RPG a little bit. Um, but it's also like got some uh, adventure elements. There's like a, it's a big branching story uh, told in a really kind of unique and modern cyberpunk uh, setting. Uh, and it just kind of drops you into this world um, and you have to survive and you have to kind of uh, add to your skill repertoire so you can perform different functions or jobs to uh, continue the story, make friends, uh, find a way out uh, and all these other things. Um, there's a, there's kind of a ticking clock element where you only have so long uh, before something bad is going to happen. Uh, one of actually several bad things could happen and uh, you sort of have to figure out uh, what your solution is going to be to those things while you're trying to survive and live in this really amazing uh, cyberpunk city. Um, and, you know, it's it's all mostly told through, uh, not, not, I wouldn't say dialogue, but just like, you know, written word. It's very like tabletop RPG in that way. Um, but it still has this like incredible aesthetic with this beautiful art and one of the best soundtracks I've heard in the last couple of years and uh, really amazing sound design. Like if you play this, I would really recommend playing it with headphones on and just kicking back and like soaking it in. Cause it's just a, it's a very cozy game. Um, while also, you know, making you think about, uh, to capitalism and shit. <laughs> oh, cool. Really I definitely don't 
already think enough about capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> I need more to be reminded. I think I was really I went to, when I went to the game's website. I think it even said like uh, adventures in. What does it say? Hold on. I'm gonna, I need to go to the website real quick and read the quote because it like made me laugh. Like I read it after after the game came out. Um, it was like adventures in something. Role, uh, this is what it is. Role playing in the ruins of interplanetary capitalism. That's literally the subtitle. They're like <laughs> the tagline. <laughs> I love it. We've actually covered the previous game by this developer. It's uh, Gareth Damian Martin, his uh, his like studio, which he calls Jump Over the Age. Um, nice. That was, um, oh, geez, what was it called? Um, In Other Waters. Uh, mm. Nate, do you remember covering that one? Yeah, so I was not on that episode. Oh, but never I mind. Did, I'm sorry. But I, uh, it's okay, but I played the game. It was just a scheduling goof resulted in me not being a part of the episode. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I think forward to whatever this you know developer yeah. got up to next. I believe he actually started as a games journalist and he kind of quit mm. that line and became a uh, like a solo indie dev and in other waters was like really neat it's kind of like a um uh, it's like a underwater exploration adventure kind of thing oh i remember this it, i never got around to it but i remember looking oh, at it's it neat yeah, yeah um, the, the interface cool. is is incredible to look at um i actually found that there were certain things about it that got, got a little frustrating because like yeah. you are sort of like fly by wiring this guy under you know doing like an undersea mm. exploration and some of that does mean like you know, I'm using this bizarre interface to try to kind of essentially remote control the main character. Um, mm. But it was really impressive and also very ambitious for like a solo indie dev yeah, project. Yeah, for and, sure. Um, and it it did. I, I thought it was pretty well done. And I'm even more excited by uh, Citizen Sleeper. It seems like, you know, it's, it's a different direction than in other waters, but it seems like the right direction for this, this developer. Like his, his strength seems to be around the like writing and ideas. And I mean, not to say that there weren't great gameplay stuff and especially interface yeah. and UI stuff about in other waters, but like that was where I was more interested in seeing more from Gareth Damian Martin. So I'm, I'm looking forward to yeah. checking it out. In other waters was very finicky. Yeah. You don't have to worry about weird, tricky interfaces with this game. Cause it is, I mean, it's very straight up like menu driven in a lot of ways. Um, but I can, it's funny you say that he used to be a games journalist because the whole time I was playing, I was like, well, this dude's like a writer and that is his thing. Mm. It's just like he loves his writing and his, the writing's really, really freaking good. So I can't fault him there. Um, God, what a good awesome. game. Now I want to go play it again. Now, if, if you like branching stories and just like making lots of different choices and missing out on things as a game design choice, I think you'll really like <laughs> Citizen Sleeper. Oh man, capitalism and missing out on things. Uh, <laughs> two of my favorite things. <laughs> I, no, I love I love an RPG that's like I mean like I think you could 100% it you know pretty easily, but I, I just love a game where there's where I can have an experience with it and take a certain path and like miss things yeah. and let the mm-hmm. world feel feel bigger than what I've seen and like and, and like it still be a satisfying experience if that makes sense like a, the the breath of the wild effect where you can just like kind of go and do what you want to do and then like be done with it and it still yeah. feels like a full complete experience. Yeah, <laughs> I agree completely. That makes sense. So uh, the, the I was also going to make my uh, um, What's Making Me Happy This Week a game. And it's one I've briefly mentioned on the podcast before, I think, because I started it like last week, but I've really gotten into it in the last week. And it's a little too long to make a game for the show or I would have already been bullying my co-hosts into playing it. But I've been spending most of my since I got uh, Franken out of the way in just an hour, I spent most of my video game time uh, this week playing Fist Forged in Shadow Torch which is the, oh another oh, yeah. terrible freaking title. Um, 
but it's a really, really good one of these. It's a Metroidvania in you know the very sort of classic Metroidvania style, but it's really visually good. Um, it's uh, it's like three D, it's two point five D, so like really, really detailed three D character models and backgrounds and environments, but everything's playing in a two D plane, um, and uh, it's got a really sort of funny vibe to it. the The characters are all animals. Uh, so like your main character that you're playing as is, uh, Rayton, the rabbit hero of the, <laughs> and it, it's in this like sort of steampunk slash diesel punk, um, world. That's like a, uh, like this, this world of a city of animals called torch city was invaded by, uh, an army of robotic dogs. And now it's like under siege. So like they lost the war with the robotic dogs and their, their, you know, uh, ruling them with an iron fist. Uh, and then of course you are like a, a veteran from that war. Who's now trying to like, you know, your, your, your friend, um, uh, a bear gets, uh, arrested and you have to go and break him out. And that sort of starts the events of the game. Um, and it's interesting in that it's like, it's like a really elaborate and looks like honestly, really expensive, yeah, uh, it looks yeah, it looks pretty high like budget. I'm like, who made 2D this? Metroidvania? Like, I love 2D Metroidvanias, and frankly, like, I love 2D art. I love like pixel art. Like, but most of the time, when you see people doing this game style, this type of game, um, you know, they're doing it on indie budgets, and so they're doing yeah 2D art, probably pixel art. Um, you know, not that that's necessarily like bad, but it is an economical choice if you're making a game like that. Whereas, like, this is lavish, man. It's like really lavish, like triple A quality like models and animations mm. and runs at 60 fps and like looks gorgeous the whole time it's doing it um it's incredible to see a game this pretty for th- in this genre it's like you don't you don't think about it often but like you don't get a lot of this style of production in this yeah type of for game, sure which i really like um and it's also a game from a chinese developer and you also don't see a lot of that honestly um like a, uh there's obviously like a, a pretty big uh you know, game uh, industry in China, but a lot of their games don't really make it over here. They don't get localized into English, or mm-hmm. if they do, they get ignored. Um, and they've got different tastes and whatnot, and whatnot. But like, this is a Japanese dev that was making a game for their domestic market, but also clearly like wanted to target like you know the global market and the West as well, and did a really good job. There's definitely like a Chinese vibe to this. Lots of like you know Chinese neon signs in the backgrounds and so on. But also mm. they fully vo- well not fully, but like mostly voiced it in English and and did I think a pretty good job with the localization. So. Um, kind of interesting from that angle too but like i really recommend this game for people who like metroidvanias um it's on playstation 4 and 5 right now and and uh, and steam um and i think it's eventually coming to switch i think they announced that there will be a switch port of this um i i would still recommend this on whatever the beefiest device you have is whether that's Mm. your pc or your playstation or whatever because i think it's worth the extra fps and the extra like you know fancy backgrounds and whatnot but like I think this is a really, really good one of these if you like Metroidvanias, and I do. So um, I would recommend people check it out. It's one of the things that's making me happy this week. Uh, Nate, what's up with you? Well, I'm going to go completely opposite. And uh, I spent the last weekend uh, at the lake. And Reagan, I rode a jet ski. Oh, hell yeah. And you know what? That made me happy. (laughs) (laughs) Sweet. So, So... uh, if you're out there, 
and you have access uh, to jet skis, <laughs> I say do it. <laughs> jet, jet skis are one of those things that truly should be a universal experience, but aren't. Mm-hmm. Like everyone, everyone should ride yeah, a jet ski. It was at fun. Some point. It's so fun. I think, yeah, it should be. You know, I, I'm pretty big on universal health care and things like that. And I think we need to <laughs> start to include jet skis in that healthcare package. It was great for my mental state. I feel refreshed. Uh, if you think about why they it. call it a jet ski, it's not really skiing related in any way. Well, like water skis, sure, but that's water skis jets. were already a thing. You know, I don't want to, and I also don't want to to go to go off what he was saying. I don't want to go, you know, get too political here, but it is weird that we consider certain product products like a right, you know, a right to have a certain thing. It's like, why not a right to have yeah. a jet ski? Why isn't that the thing that we all have a right to have? Um, I think I have a right to a jet ski. The, don't you? You're, you're starting to sound a lot like a Republican talking point. Like, <laughs> where will it end? <laughs> Are they going to say they got a right to my truck? <laughs> Hey, I nice. saw. I'm just, no, because I'm you know I, I it can stop at jet skis. I'm fine with that. I just need jet skis. <laughs> yeah, and where's and the line? We don't know where housing. the line is, but we'll definitely let's get to jet skis, <laughs> we'll, and then we'll tell we'll you when we get there. there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're all gonna be on jet skis. Yeah, I imagine yeah. Um, you know landlocked. Um, you know, people may not support our uh, pro jet ski agenda, mm-hmm. uh, but they can move. Yeah, so you know, uh, we'll find you something cool to ride. Whatever. Yeah, it's like Always. a like a like a dune buggy is like a jet ski, uh, but for sand. Mm. My neighborhood <sighs> is full of people with golf carts. You know, you yeah, you move to oh, the suburbs, and certain suburbs people yeah. just have golf carts for no reason, and they ride them around. That's the thing here too. Everybody's big on golf carts. Why? It's like a car, but shittier. Yeah, uh, I think because. You can drink and drive. <laughs> oh. Yeah. People take those things to the bars and then they, you know, drink. I live in the they... suburbs. They're not doing anything that fun. They're like taking their dog <laughs> to the park or something. And I'm like, uh, I mean, Reagan, have you seen the price of gas these days? <sighs> okay. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> on that note, Thank you guys for listening to the short game. Hey, I've got a lot more to say right. about your jet ski uh, rights package. I, I'm willing to hear it, but let's save it for the next episode. We really want to keep them coming back. Okay. Um, right. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the short game. You can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net, which is where you'll find all of our cool stuff, including links to our patreon patreon.com slash the short game did you know that every patron of the show gets instant access to our discord which is where we talk about the show about jet ski rights uh all the various things like that um and uh we also plan things there it's a great place to suggest games for the show uh to talk about the episodes after they come out etc uh you can and of course if you back at the five dollar a month level even just for a little while i will personally send you some stickers and they have the short game logo on them and they're very cool uh, so let's see. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at underscore short game, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R A Y G A N K. Nate, where can people find you? On Twitter at Nate STL. And Jordan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you and all of the things that you do? 
Uh, you can find me personally on Twitter at Jackal27. Uh, you can also find my podcast at pocketoidpodcast.com or wherever good podcasts are found. And you can also find me at CRT Pixels, which is uh, my my CRT TV retro gaming account uh, that is currently on a small hiatus while we uh, redo our entire workflow, basically. So uh, that should be back here pretty soon. But for now, that one's, you know not as active as my personal so that that is an evergreen twitter account though like go on it anyway and scroll back through it is full of some really really cool uh shots in fact um the uh the lock screen on my phone is the uh city connection uh shot that you, you took just for me i well, really appreciate it once the uh, once the new uh camera is up and running and everything i'll have to do a new one for you because now i hate all of my old photos <laughs> Now that I can see the comparison, <laughs> I mean I know that feeling, but I'm glad you're uh, glad you're continuing to move that uh, move that project forward with cool upgrades. Yeah. Um, all right, and uh, listeners, once again, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Short Game.